0: But today I have a special message for you and I'm excited to share this with you. It's from a pretty well-known passage of scripture. In fact, what we're going to look today, the entire chapter in this gospel that we're going to look at is dedicated to this one event, to this one miracle. What we're going to look at is widely considered Jesus' greatest miracle, at least next to his own resurrection and While I've preached on this passage before, I've never preached from this particular standpoint. I've never preached from this particular perspective. So I'm excited to get into this with you. The passage we're gonna look at today is John chapter 11. If you have your Bibles with you and you wanna follow along, you can turn there. And this is a miracle where, spoiler alert, Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. Sorry if you've never heard that before, didn't know that that's what happens. But while the result's pretty spectacular, the details of the story Are kind of disturbing Because Mary Martha and Lazarus They're the primary people In this passage These were not ordinary people I mean these were people These three siblings Two sisters and a brother These are people who had An extremely close Relationship with Jesus So much so that Lazarus is the only person mentioned by name in the Gospel of John as being Jesus' friend. So, like, yes, Jesus had the disciples. Yes, Jesus was close with his cousin, John the Baptist. But you got to understand, Lazarus was Jesus' boy. He, he, he was very close. So close that uh, the chapter begins by letting us know when Lazarus is sick... That's how the story starts out. When Lazarus is sick, his sisters send word to Jesus. And they were so close, they don't even mention Lazarus by name. They just say, hey, yo, Jesus, the one who you love is sick. And he immediately knows, it's Lazarus. Needless to say, Jesus would have done anything for Lazarus and vice versa, Lazarus, Mary and Martha, they would have done anything for Jesus. In fact, whenever Jesus would travel through the town that they were in, he would stay at their house. And so I set all that up because when we read in John chapter 11, that Lazarus is sick and his sisters send word to Jesus to come and pray for him, it's disturbing when Jesus doesn't arrive in time. He doesn't arrive in time and Lazarus dies. And even worse, by the time that Jesus gets there, Lazarus has been dead four days. Now, a couple things we can take from this passage. I know I haven't even read the scripture yet. I'm just setting up the context, but there's two things that are worth pointing out here. One, Jesus loves Lazarus. That's clear. Second thing, Lazarus is sick and dies. Both of those things can be true at the same time. Many times we think, if God loved me, if God really cared, if He knew what was going on, then this thing wouldn't happen to me. But if you are looking to the circumstances of your life for the proof of God's love for you, you are looking for love in all the wrong places. Now, there's lots of reasons why different things happen in our life. That's not the point of my sermon. But I just want to point out to you that God's love for you is not indicative of what's happening in your life. God's love for you doesn't prevent you going through pain. But what I like about this passage is that even though they're going through pain, they take their pain to Jesus. And we can always do that. So I won't read all the details, but I do wanna encourage you to read through this chapter on your own today. It's a great chapter. There's all sorts of tension filled in this account. But what's fascinating is that a lot of the details are given to the circumstances leading up to this event, but not the miracle itself. The actual miracle is told in about four verses, and it's such a small part of the story that whenever I preach from this passage, I almost never get to the, to the miracle. I will never get to the event. He talked about everything that happens before it, everything that comes after it. But what I wanna read to you today is the actual miracle. It's found in John chapter 11, verse 38. So if you're following along, you can turn there or put the words on the screen so we can all follow along together. This is what it says. Jesus came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. And Jesus said, take away the stone. So Martha, she begins to speak up. She's got some contention with this command. She says, but Lord, by this time, there's a bad odor. For he's been there for four days. And Jesus is not having any of it. He says, didn't I tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? I like that verse. I want to stop here just for a minute and just say, there are some things you need to keep believing in your life, that if you want to see God move, you want to see God show up, you want to see God's glory, you need to keep believing because if you believe, you will see the glory of God. Yes. And so in verse 41, it says, they took away the stone and Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. I know that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. And when he said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. And Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Now, for as long as I can remember, I've always been drawn to fashion. I don't really know where it started. I was trying to think back to where did this passion for fashion originate in my life? I thought maybe it started when I was in France. I, uh, I went to college in France for a year. And when I was there, I had a lot of friends that were pursuing careers in the fashion industry. And so as a result of that, I was around these people that they would go to the garment districts. They were always around uh, fashion shoots and magazines. We'd go to fashion shows. And I thought, well, maybe that's the place where some of this started, but I realized, no, it actually started way before then. Uh, I thought, well, maybe it started, maybe it started with my dad. And I don't know if you've ever met my dad. He comes to church here. usually comes to the 11 o'clock service. And my, my dad, he has always been a sharp dresser. As long as I can remember, I used to shine his shoes as a kid. And uh, he was never afraid. He was never afraid to like to look different than anybody else. Like he, you know, while other, other, other dads maybe would be wearing, you know, shorts and short-sleeved shirts. My dad, he'd, He'd always have a a jacket and a tie and a a hat, like a little fedora with a feather in it. I mean, and it would not look weird. Like he could really pull it off, like a like a mob boss just just pulling it off. And I thought maybe that was it, but no, that's that wasn't it either. Um, I, I thought, well, maybe I remember as a kid, my my maybe this is where it started, because when I was young, my mom used to actually make me close and uh Some of you might think that's weird. I thought it was awesome. Like we would, I would pick out, I remember having these big, I don't know, it was like this, some kind of catalog of patterns and uh, of designs and I'd pick it out and then I'd pick out the fabric and she would make this for me. But I realized it even started earlier than that. And I found this picture. I don't have many pictures of my childhood, but I found this picture. Hopefully they can put it on the screen. And uh, you see, see that good looking kid in the middle. Um, that shirt right there is a shirt that I made. And uh, it was, uh, you can't really tell because the photo quality is so bad. I don't know what my cousin is doing to my legs there, but um, it's Samson. He's got his shirt off. He's pushing down the pillars. And I made this with puff paint. I painted on this shirt. I made it with puff paint so, uh, so Samson's muscles would be bulging. It's like as long as I can remember, I've always been drawn to this idea of fashion, and, and right or wrong, what I'm trying to say is, uh, you know, many times the clothes we wear can define us. And that, that's not necessarily a bad thing. I mean, we know this just from the stand. We tell people dress up for the job interview. You know, you got to make sure that you're looking your best. And even with like what's going on today, this is why kids like to dress up for Halloween. There's something about putting something on. It makes you feel a little different. I don't know how it is in your house Like my kids They don't just wear their costume Once on Halloween They they wear their costumes All year round And uh, this was a good thing Because like I was just glad That they started wearing clothes Because before the Ages of five I thought I was running Like a little nudist colony (laughs) So I was glad That they would wear costumes But I'm just saying There's something about The clothes we wear And so I don't know Maybe it's my love for fashion, or or maybe it's the season that we're in where so many people are dressing up like the dead, but it was this part of the text that caught me when Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let them go. Now, before I get to the significance of these clothes, I got to give you some context because the reason... John even tells us this story. And John is the only gospel writer that tells us the story. He's, he's writing this event, looking back. And he tells us this because he wants to paint a picture of how Jesus brings dead people to life. In fact, we have baptisms today. That's really what baptism is. Baptism is this symbol of dead people being brought to life. All of us who were once dead in our trespasses and sin because of what Jesus did have now been raised to newness in life. And there's a lot of scriptures we could look at. One that I like is in Romans chapter 6. It says, we were buried in baptism as Christ was buried in death. As Christ was raised from the dead by the great power of God, so we will have new life also. Now, it's not just this verse, there's lots of verses in scripture, but they all illustrate this point that the moment you're saved, you're saved in a moment. When you accept Jesus, everything changed all at once. 2 Corinthians five seventeen. you might know this, it says, anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. But I want to help you with this today because we read this, all things have become new. And then sometimes we get discouraged when we're still dealing with the same issues. See, sometimes we have this idea that when God comes into your life, that's all that matters. That the moment you give your life to God, you get rid of everything else that's been haunting you. But what I want to help you see today is that there's a difference between your deliverance and your discipleship. There's a difference between your deliverance and your discipleship. Here's what I mean by that. As I was reading this text, what was interesting to me is what Jesus did and what he didn't do. I don't know if you noticed this or not. But the thing that stuck out to me, at least one thing, is that the one who raised the dead didn't roll away the stone. Did you see that? Let's look at it again. It says, Jesus came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. And he says, take away the stone. Now, people contested. Martha's like, "Ah, I don't know about that. By this time, there's a bad odor. I mean, he's been there four days. But Jesus said, Did I not tell you, if you believe, you'll see the glory of God? Verse 41 So they took away the stone. Say they. They, they took away the stone. Wasn't Jesus? I mean, you think that if he, with the power of his word, could command the dead to come to life, then surely he could, with the power of his word, cause the stone. To move. But the first thing you have to realize when you come to Christ is that there are some things that God won't do for you. Because in this account, Martha has a need. Mary has a need. And they come to Jesus asking for help, and Jesus even cares. I mean, this is Jesus' friend. He traveled an entire day's journey just to come raise Lazarus from the dead. But there is a part of this text that implies that they won't see a resurrection if they won't first remove a barrier. I I know that sounds inconsistent and maybe even contradictory in a season where we are saying there are no more barriers between heaven and here. But what I'm trying to point out to you is that you have a part to play in God's plan. God's will is not automatic for your life. So let me first ask you, is there something standing in the way between what you want and what God wants to do in your life? If there is, I wanna encourage you to do what he's asking you to do. And what's funny is in this text, Jesus isn't even really asking it didn't really say like, hey, would you mind taking away the stone? He just says, take away the stone. Sometimes God has given us instructions that we just need to be obedient to. That's why you can't confuse your deliverance with your discipleship. I don't know if you noticed this, but God is not going to come and wake you up to get you to church in the morning. God is not going to stop everything and say, hey, now is a good time to pray. God is, is not going to arrange the events in your life to make you read your Bible. God does the saving. But there are some things that he won't do for you. And many times I think we're waiting on God to do something that he wants us to do. I think part of the reason we don't, we don't, we don't do what God has told us to do is because we've got our reasons and we've got our excuses, and I even see it in this text because, look at it with me, Martha, she says to Jesus, she says, Lord, she's trying to clean it up because sometimes we try and make our excuses sound pretty. (laughs) Like Pippa does this to me all the time. She'll come, and when she really wants something, she'll say, pretty, please. We try and make our excuses sound pretty. So, Martha comes, she says, Lord, clean this up a little bit. By this time, there's a bad odor. By this time, it's been four days. In other words, look, this is not pleasant. Besides that, it's too late. The, the implication in both these objections is what's the use? But can I tell you, just because you have reasons doesn't remove your responsibility. I know it stinks. I know it's not pretty, but guess what? Miracles are messy. We don't usually hear that part. We just think that God's going to do something and it's going to be clean, but miracles are messy. And I just noticed that God won't work a miracle if you won't first make a move. Because grace is God's part, but growth is your part. And this leads us into my next thought. That if everything changes, once I'm saved, that if the, the moment God brings a dead man to life, dead things to life, if everything's different, then why am I still getting tripped up? And here's the answer. Grave close. Now, I thought it'd be helpful to illustrate this for you for a moment. So I, I asked some people to come help me out. And uh, uh, so... so Lucas and Sarah, would you guys just make your way up to the front? And this is why it's, um, you, you should always sit towards the front, because I'm just going to start going after people in the back. I've made up, this is a, a new resolution. So if you guys can just come up here, can you give them a hand as they're walking up here? Grab it for you. And uh, go ahead and come. We want everybody to see you. Make sure you get on camera. You are online, being watched by tens and tens of people right now. I don't know, hundreds of people. So, I noticed something in here is it says that the dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. So I was talking about fashion earlier, but you need to understand that when it says grave clothes, it's not really talking about clothes. When people were buried back in this time, they were wrapped up like a mummy, most often. And so what would happen is uh, they would take this cloth. Uh, okay. It's great. Thanks. Put it over their face. And then they would take these strips of linen. This is where you're going to help me out. Okay. And it says, first that they wrapped up his hands. And you just go ahead and, and get him wrapped up while I'm doing this. And then uh, wrap, make sure you wrap him up good, just like you have always wanted to do. <laughs> And then, so they wrapped up his hands And we'll go ahead and, that's great, that's great We'll, we'll put these down And he'll wrap up his body And then they wrapped up his, his feet And you go ahead and, and wrap them up while we're in there And what's funny is As he was getting wrapped up You have to picture That this is what it looked like Sort of, maybe not the flannel But this is what it looked like When Lazarus was coming out He was wrapped up In strips of bandages And wrapped up With a cloth over his face And Jesus says Lazarus come out And I just got to think like Lazarus What's what's wrong with you man? That's good Now you guys You can just keep wrapping You can stay up here You're going to be up here with me for a while Alright So Even though Lazarus was alive on the inside. He was still bound by something on the outside. And even though Jesus changes everything at salvation, there is still a process called sanctification. Now, sanctification, it is a theological term. I might not be familiar with it, but it's just used to describe the way that Jesus brings about change in our life. It doesn't conclude as salvation. It's meant to continue. And what's perplexing is that this same person, I just realized we got pink. Must be for Breast Cancer Awareness Month. All right, thank you for being so thoughtful. So the same person who could come out of the grave could still come out bound in bandages. That's essentially what these were, bandages. They they were strips of cloth often used to bind wounds to treat a wound. And I just got thinking like, what are the different ways that we treat wounds in our life? When we're wounded, what's our response? I was thinking through some of the responses, maybe guilt, maybe resentment, maybe anger. Maybe we give into vices. Maybe it's envy. Maybe it's shame graves, by the way. What starts out as a bandage leaves them in bondage. Because what we use to cope ends up being the cause of keeping us stuck. I know you love God. I know He raised you to life. But you've got some things that have Kept you bound Some, some dead, dead Garments So it says the dead man came out His hands and feet were wrapped with strips of linen And cloth around his face So there were two things He's got something Covering his face And something constraining His movements Things that We hide And things that hold us And both of them keep us bound. And so you're wondering, why is it now? Because God has done a work in my life. I'm, I should be free. I'm out of the grave. But you can't experience what God has for you till you get this stuff off you. So, so what's the ingredients for a miracle here? Well, you got to do your part. You got to remove the stone. God has to do his part. He speaks forth his word. It changes your life. You come out of the grave. But there's something else that has to happen. I wanna read it to you. It's one other thing. It says, when he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet, wrapped with strips of linen, cloth around his face. And Jesus said to them, take off, the grave clothes and let him go. It's a question: Who removed the grave clothes? Lazarus didn't do it; he can't move. Jesus didn't do it because he's the one given the command. This is why church community is so important. Now we have this phrase we say around here: we talk about this is how we do community. What does that mean? We prioritize gathering on the weekend. Not watching online, I'm glad we have online for everybody who can't make it, but if you're in town, we prioritize gathering on the weekend, all right? We also get together in groups. Why do we get together in groups? Because this is the place where we can pray for one another, encourage one another, support one another, help each other grow. We also serve together on teams. Why? Because Sometimes you got to be face to face, but sometimes you got to be shoulder to shoulder there's nothing like knowing that God is using you to make a difference in the life of someone else. So when we say this is how we do community, maybe it's not the only way, but this is how we do community by, by coming together in this way. And what was so interesting is that in one of Jesus greatest miracles, his word was not enough. Lazarus needed God's people. Can I tell you, you need God's people. You need God's people in your life. Now, normally when we do this type of message, what we say is this is why you need to be in a group. This is why you need to be on a team. This is why you need to preface this. I want to flip a little bit. What if you're not the one who needs it? Think about this for a moment. In our church right now, there are people like this that have given their life to Jesus and they are bound. And if you don't step in and do your part, they will stay bound. And so what I'm trying to say is lots of times like, Hey, get in a group. is good for you. Join a team. is good for you. It's great. You know what? I don't care if it's good for you. Other people need help. And are you just going to sit there in a seat with your arms crossed? While there are people who God has done a work in their life, but they're still bound. People need our help, so you can go ahead, unwrap them now. unwrap them now. And here's the thing. Oh man, you look so good. Can we just give it up for that? Just I'm glad you could breathe under there. Here's what I realize. It takes some time. It, it, it takes And it's kind of messy And it's kind of awkward Like can you imagine Lazarus coming out Like his feet are bounced He's got to like hop out of there Like really try and imagine this Alright can you give it up for these people Give them a round of applause Thank you guys So You know if we're really honest About why we don't want to do this sometimes It's because I think Like the text says, it stinks. It stinks. You got to get close to people. Imagine every moment they're unwrapping the bandage. Every moment they're in close proximity with each layer that they take off. There's a new stench. And I know like Lazarus isn't dead anymore, but like the clothes still stink. Lazarus was a dead man walking until someone took the time to help him get free. And what's interesting about both these people that were up here in Jesus' story now is that both of them had to risk exposure. See, for the people that unwrapped the bandages, and we don't know who it was. We assume it was the disciples. To unwrap the bandages meant they had to Risk exposure They had to risk defilement Defilement It's not a sin It just means To get dirty To get dirty They, ha- they had to It was To touch a dead body Would to de- be to defile yourself To touch dead garments Would be the same thing So they had to risk exposure But think about Lazarus <laughs> He's the one being unmasked I don't know if he had Some tidy whities Underneath that thing But He had to risk exposure. But here's the good news, is God will heal whatever you reveal, but he can't help whatever you keep hidden. And as she was stripping these bandages off of Luke, it just kind of was a picture of how many of us We've maybe come out part of the way. We've still got some stuff hanging off off of us. We've got some stuff hanging off of us that we cannot get off ourselves. We've got it attached to you and you've got a blind spot of where it's at. That's why we need Christian community. Because in God's greatest miracle, there's your part, there's God's part then there was the part that others played. And so for everybody here, I would just ask that, will you do your part? Will you do your part to take off the clothes, the grave clothes for somebody else that's been bound? I don't want to make light of painful situations. I know that even talking about it can sometimes be triggering, but the truth is, death is real. All of us are dying because we have a condition called being human. But in the same way, Jesus said in this same passage that those. Who believe in me, even though they die, they'll live. It's not just belief, it's belief and action. It's doing what he told you to do. It's agreeing with his word, it's acting on what he said. So I want to give an invitation for those of you that maybe need to take that step today. And there's two, It's to take the step of removing the grave clothes from somebody else. Or maybe for some of you it's doing your part and accepting what Jesus has done for you and coming to faith in him.